All right, uh, so we're looking at functional maturity today. It's quite packed, it's quite a lot, but I'm just going to try as much as possible to touch on a few things, and then we'll see if we are able to continue. Functional maturity. One of the things that we have said, and thank you, Lady Wombs, for that prayer. You know, when Lady Wombs was leading us during prayers, uh, she was praying into the subject, and as she was praying, it was so spot on. And what I was interacting with, to quickly share with us, is that anytime God is demanding more from you, your response is what determines whether or not you'll be able to give him what he's demanding from you. And I want to say, like I've said to us severally, that every time God shows and he's asking for more from us, it is not to condemn us. He's trying to let us know that there is more that we can be. Hallelujah. And I want to say that as long as we remain in time, there is no level that you've attained in time that is the best that God can do. As long as we remain in time, there is always more to becoming God. Always. One of the reasons we remain in time is not just to carry out a sight. That is one. It's important for us to fulfill purpose. The other reason why we remain in time is for us to become like Christ. It's for us to become like Christ. And that has to be the pursuit of every believer. The pursuit, the primary pursuit of every believer is Christ-likeness. It's Christ-likeness. That's our primary pursuit. Because what the enemy came after in the garden was Christ-likeness. That was what the enemy came after. The enemy couldn't stand the fact that God has created man in his own image and in his likeness. The devil couldn't stand that. And that's why he came. And he caused the fall. And so Christ came so that we can what? Reclaim what was lost in the garden. It's not just so that you can get good jobs. It's not just so that you can put money in your pocket. It's not just so that he can heal your sickness and your diseases. Yes, all of that are important. But primarily, one of the reasons he came primarily is for us to regain what was lost in the garden. And any Christianity, in quote, that is not built on that and is not focused on that in the midst of these last days, is substandard. The pursuit of every believer is supposed to be Christ-likeness. And every day we need to be asking ourselves to what extent, what degree am I becoming like Christ? And that is why we say here that any spiritual experience you have that does not make you become more like Christ is not valid in the midst of these last days. If it only blesses you, put money in your pocket. If it only heals your diseases and meets your material needs, but does not make you become like Christ, is not valid. The reason why this is, is because the only thing you will take into eternity is the maturity you've attained in time. That healing will not follow you into eternity. That money will not follow you into eternity. That job will not follow you into eternity. So if the only thing you use the grace of God to do is earth-based benefits, you are missing out. If everything, all you experience about the grace of God, about the power of God, and what God can do is only earth-based, time-based. What will lose value in time? Then you are working on the wrong path. But there is a value that comes from the grace and the power of God. And that value is Christ-likeness. It's maturity. But unfortunately, we're in a season where a lot of us in the church as a whole were missing out on that. So the focus is more on what he can do for us. That is time-based. And not what he can do for us that is eternal. But God is raising a generation, a remnant today, 
that will prioritize Christ's likeness. Hallelujah. And you and I are fortunate to be part of that company of believers. Are we going to make the money? Yes, we will. Are we going to live great life? Yes, we will. But we know that all of that will pass away in time. But there is that which will not pass away. And that is what we prioritize. Hallelujah. And we have to continue to prioritize. Every other thing would fade away. But the quality of your built life is what you will carry into eternity. And so, we have to continue to pursue maturity. Because when we say maturity, we are simply talking about Christ-likeness. Because that is the measure, the full measure of maturity. That's what defines maturity for us. It's Christ-likeness. Maturity is Christ-likeness. It's becoming like Christ in every area. And so, we're looking at what we call functional maturity. Functional maturity. And we are required in this season to pursue maturity. We are required to prioritize maturity. Our growth in him. What is functional? Functional is anything that is designed to be practical and useful. Anything that is what? Designed to be practical and what? And useful. Rather than attractive. Anything that is designed to be practical and useful. Rather than what? Attractive. And this is actually a simple dictionary definition. Just Google it, you'll see it. So this is not a deep breath. No, it's not, this is not a deep breath. This is just your phone now. If you Google it, that's what most likely you're going to get. So when we talk about maturity, functional maturity, we're talking about the kind of maturity that is what? That is practical. That is useful. Not just attractive. Not just glamorous. Not just beautiful on the outside. Not just all put together on the outside. No. Not just about the attraction. But is it practical? Is it useful? Another way to appreciate this type of maturity is the type of maturity that is impactful. Is it making a difference in the world? That's why we always say that our Christianity today must make a difference. Some of you, you probably would have heard these stories back in the day that if you, companies wanted to hire accountants, they come to look for SU members or members of deeper life. That was a functional maturity. A maturity that is impactful. A maturity that is useful. A maturity that is making a difference. This is what Christianity is about. This is what our faith is about. But unfortunately today, you hire these people. Someone said that they will be stealing your money and be speaking in tongues. As sad as it sounds, they will be stealing your money and be speaking in tongues. I've seen a company with a Christian. A Christian was the accountant. This guy was pilfering. And the company was not doing well. And yet this guy was stealing. And he knows that the company was not doing well. And this guy will attend all these our end of the year BB gatherings. I won't mention them. You know those conventions, big, big meetings. One just finished. This guy attended every year. This guy fast every week. Anytime they have fasting, they will fast. So he was speaking in tongues, doing all of those things, and yet killing the company. There was nothing that was telling this guy that what he was doing was wrong. And yet he was in church. He was known as a Christian in that office. One of the things that will be restored in the midst of the last days, with what God is doing right now, is that they will still come back to church. Hallelujah. The process that is ongoing right now is bringing the church back there. And even beyond that state, they will come back to us. And this time around, the people will not speak in tongues and steal people's money. Hallelujah. Do you know why? Because they would have been built. Maturity. Maturity. So it's not just about 
going to meetings and clapping your hands and shouting hallelujah. It's about how you live the next day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What's, what's the output? What's the outflow of your life? That you are a believer. What, what, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Now it's become very fanciful to be born again. It's become very cool, right? It's very cool. It's one of the coolest things. To be born again now is very cool. And so it's very easy now. You go on social media. Everybody's now an influencer. And a kingdom influencer. Everybody's quoting scriptures. Before now, it used to not to be very cool though, to say you are born again. You know, it used to be like, you know, it was not cool before. And that was when the truth of the gospel was still manifesting. But the moment it became cool, it became everything else. We removed Christ from it. We removed Christ. We removed lifestyle. We removed character from it. So now it's cool everybody's born again. It's cool everybody's in church. It's cool everybody follows one prophet or the other. It's cool everybody attends one prophetic gathering or the other. Everybody, it's cool everybody every morning. We have prayer platforms with millions of believers. Very cool. I get those messages from time to time. Every morning, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. But the question is, how practical is that? How useful is all of that? How useful is all of those engagements? How useful? How useful? Maturity has to be practical. It has to be useful. It has to be impactful. It has to make a difference. It has to make a difference. And that is part of the emphasis of God to us today. How useful is your Christianity? How impactful is it? How practical is it? How is your family and your society and your city getting better on the account of what you're interacting with? Here, how will Nigeria become better today? Because all across Nigeria today, millions are gathered all across Nigeria today. How will the city of Abuja be better tomorrow on the account of what is happening right now all across? How will Nigeria be a better country on the account of the fact that millions of people are gathered like you and I are gathered today? What is the practicality of it? What is the usefulness? This is the emphasis on the heart of the Father. And this is the way the church will reclaim her relevance and significance in the earth. Because the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted, right? Above every other mountain. Practicality. It will be visible. They will see the difference. And the people will run and say, come, take me to your God. If there's anything that is making people run to church today, it's because of personal needs. That's all. That there's a family, that is a family member that is troubled or they themselves are troubled. And if you live in Nigeria and Africa like you and I, there are plenty of troubles. And that is why you see that today, majority of those who are in church in Africa, what we've used to bring them in is what God can do. So people, a lot of believers are in love with what God can do, but not with God himself. Not what he wants. They are in love with what God can do, but not with God himself. And remember the children of Israel. The Bible said they knew what? They knew the what? The act. God, his hand, the miraculous power, the manna, the quail, the water gushing out from rock. But they did not know what? His ways. They didn't know his heart. Happened to them. They all perished. That's why I tell people, the miracles from God, there's no validity that you're in the kingdom. That God is healing your sicknesses, delivering you from certain things. People, because we have reduced our relationship with God to what we can get from him. I mean, that's shallow. And a lot of people believe because they are getting blessed by God or because their pastor prayed for them and there's an open door and they think all is well. No. The Bible says that he causes rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. 
It causes the sun to shine both on the righteous and the unrighteous. Receiving things from God is not a validity of relationship. Getting blessed by God is not, a, is, not, is not what validates your relationship with him. It doesn't. It can still give you things. For God so loved the world he gave. When the world did not know him. It can still give you things. But that does not mean you are accepted. That does not mean you have a valid relationship with him. Because while the world did not know him, he gave the most precious gift ever. His son. For God so loved the world that he gave. So any kind of Christianity that is based on receiving from God is not functional Christianity. It's not functional maturity. It's not. That is why God is calling us the remnant. Calling us to functional maturity. Lifestyle Christianity. That is practical. That makes a difference. That's what God is calling us into. And so like we have said, functional Christianity or functional maturity is a type of maturity that is designed to be practical and useful rather than just being attractive, glamorous. One of the things you would hear as you go through SEP, for those who have gone through SEP, is that there are different reasons why people go to churches. And one of the things you would see in the class, I was in the class a couple of days last week when Tony was taking that segment. And it was saying one of the reasons is because you like the idea of the pastor. You like the way the pastor talks. Some is like the way the pastor dresses, the glam, the choir, the physical environment. Trust me, these things are okay. I mean, they are not bad in themselves. But if your relationship with God is solely tied on these things, that's miserable. So what we are seeing here is that it's not about the attraction. It's about the practicality. It's about the usefulness. And the practicality and usefulness is not just for you. It's for the society. It's for the world. That is why we cannot reduce our relationship with God with, to what we can get from him. God has not designed us to just be on the receiving side. What are you giving to the world? How much light do we have in our nation because we are here? How much difference are we making in different sectors of society because you and I are here? How better is our city because you and I are here? How better is our nation because believers are here? That's what matters. That's, no, that's what matters. See, the things we receive to ourselves is not what matters. What matters is what we give to the world. We can share testimonies like we've done. We've, we've, I mean, we had our test given last week, right? And we appreciated God for the jobs. We appreciated God for the cars. As a matter of fact, yet we're going to be dedicating another one today. We're blessing God for all of those things. So when I stand here, I'm not coming here to preach against prosperity. We need resources to, to advance the kingdom, right? But what I'm saying is that those are not like the substance of our relationship with God. We bless God for the marriages. We had a number of them this year in this kingdom community. Hallelujah. The Shaddai's of this world, the Akins of this world got married this year. But the point is that when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not about what we get from him that makes us special. Because everybody gets stuff from him. Everybody gets blessed. He loved the world he gave. He causes his reign to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Everybody gets stuff from God. God is keeping everybody alive, including the greatest of greatest of greatest of all sinners. God loves everybody. So the validity of our relationship with God is not because we are getting stuff from him. Because today, the majority of Christianity has been reduced to what God can do for us. That's not the validity of Christianity. Unbeliever gets stuff from God. Come on, cut it out. Cut it out. 
I always say this. You don't have to be a Christian to be wealthy. You don't. Apply your sense. You make money. I'm serious. It's unfortunate that we have reduced Christianity to things we can get from God and we make it a big deal. Come on now. The most, I mean, a lot of the richest people we have in the world are not even believers. So why do we really, why have we reduced God to money? A lot of the healing and the services that we have, a lot of the things that people come to get healed for, come on, just live a more healthy life. It's right. Be healthy. Just know what I'm saying? It's right. Exercise. And I'm not saying there are no miraculous healing. No, the power of God is there to heal. Trust me, yes. The power of God can cause breakthrough. The power of God can do all of those things. But the point is, let's not reduce God to these things. That's one of the reasons unbelievers are no longer attracted to whatever we are doing. That's why majority of our healing, breakthrough, miracle services are still filled with who? Christians. It's the Christians. Call a healing deliverance session now. Who will you see there? Christians. And these are people who are supposed to be working naturally in the supernatural. So the point is that this is no longer sustainable. We can no longer reduce God to things. What is the output of your life? What is the world getting because you have a relationship with God? How is your life being a blessing to your city, to your family, to your nation? That is a proof of maturity. That is a proof of your Christianity. And that is what God is calling us into. Functional maturity. Maturity that is useful. Not useful to you. I'm talking about usefulness to your world. Maturity that is practical, that is pragmatic. That people can touch, people can feel, that can transform lives, transform cities, transform nations. The act of, I mean, the apostles, we just finished studying Acts of the Apostles. They turn their world around. That's why the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. That's why you see, anytime there's talk about power to heal, to do deliverance, to do all of that, it's not for you. <laughs> it is that you will be the one to do what? To manifest it. You are a believer. How many people have you healed in the last four weeks? How many people have you prayed for to get healed? How many people have you ministered to? How many people have you... Do you understand? How many people are you discipling? How many people are you mentoring? How is the world becoming better? How, how, how is this generation feeling the impact of your Christianity? That's what God is calling us to. Functional maturity. Practical maturity. The disciples say, this sign shall follow them that believe. He didn't say they will, he didn't say they will live in perpetual good health. He didn't say they will be rich. What did he say? He said they will do what? They shall lay their hands. In other words, others will benefit from what they carry. That is practical maturity. That's what he's saying. They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So others will get blessed on your account. That is functional maturity. That's functional maturity. And so if we reduce Christianity to what we can get from God, then we are no different from unbelievers. Because unbelievers get stuff from God. Can I get an amen? Unbelievers, does, they do what? They get stuff from God. They get things from God. God blesses unbelievers. He does. And it's not all of them that are wealthy that stole. Just what I'm saying. Go check out the lives of some of the billionaires we have in Nigeria who are not even Christians. It's not all of them that stole. They are hardworking. They applied their senses. They, they, God gave them certain things. They picked it and they multiplied it. And, you know, bam, it blows. I think the idea of Facebook and all of this advancement that we are experiencing in the world that is making the inventors very rich, you think they came from the pit of hell? No. There were ideas that God had encoded in the human DNA. And then when it was time, this idea will begin to what? When it is time, the ideas will begin to come to light, irrespective of the person. You don't have to be a Christian to invent things and to make money from it. You don't have to. If there's anything, I think the religion called Christianity has even dulled our brains and our senses and our ability to think 
the religion, if anything has reduced us to people who are reactionary, people who are not proactive, people who are the mercy of life or not, driving things and turning the world upside down. It used to be back then, the disciples were known as the people that turned the world upside down. But right now, where are we? Beggarly, my miracle. This, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that, give me this. And God is saying, no, that's not how I, that's not what I made when I was designing you. That's not what I was. I designed you for exploits. I designed you for impact. I designed you to, to affect your world. That's what God designed us. And so we have to move to functional maturity. And this is very important in this season. And so let's look very quickly about types of maturity. Types of functional maturity. Types of maturity. Number one is spiritual maturity. Which I believe we are all aware of. Spiritual maturity. So every time you come for mandate summit, you come for deep dive, you go through our community entry program, you go through our school of maturity, you go through our school of ministry in the finishing church, this is what becomes, this is what you get. Spiritual maturity. As you go through those trainings, you become mature spiritually. And what are the indications of spiritual maturity? Your ability to hear God, for instance. Your ability to walk in obedience. Because then my sheep hear my voice. You are not created to be confused about life. You are not created to be blind. You are created to have sight, to have understanding, to know what is happening around you. All of that come by reason of spiritual growth and development. Spiritual maturity. And that's the process that we keep going through. And as we continue in this process, we're increasingly becoming spiritually matured. Our understanding of the word, when you study, you can see the intricacies and the complexities of the word of God and the moves of God and how God moves and how God does his things. I mean, recently we heard that God is also behind the crisis. That's a level of maturity. Because a lot of people are confused. Why do good people die? Why do good people die? It's a sign of immaturity. But as you continue to grow, you know, spiritually matured, you begin to understand spiritual dynamics. Begin to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. You begin to understand why certain things happen to certain people. You begin to understand the ways of God beyond your natural definition of good and bad. Spiritual maturity. So it has to be functional. It has to be empowering. So that when everybody is moving in fear, everybody is at a loss as to what is happening across the world, you stand in faith. Spiritual maturity. Hey, there's so much crisis here. There's this, here. but you have an understanding of what is happening. You stand. Everybody's running helter scatter. Everybody's jackpine when they have not been sent. Everybody's looking for where to. But you are being ordered by the word of God. That is maturity. It takes maturity to remain back in Nigeria, and I'm talking about those who have opportunities to jackpine and not jackpine when God has not spoken. It takes maturity. It takes maturity to know that God has an assignment for you in Nigeria. It takes maturity to know that you are one of the light carriers that God is counting on while Nigeria is still standing. So what I'm saying is that maturity is functional. Your spiritual maturity is... That's what I'm just describing. I'm just describing the practicality and the functionality of spiritual maturity. You are able to hear God. You are able to hear the Holy Spirit talk to you. And then you are quick to move in obedience. All of these are traits of spiritual maturity. It's practical. It's functional. Part of it is also coming to that place where you can... Minister salvation to people. Where you can lead others to the Lord. Where you can go out and evangelize. Where you can minister baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
where you can see people who are in bondage, who are held back by one form of disease or the other, and you look at them, and the Holy Spirit says, move. Lay your hands on this person. And God says, Brume, lay your hands on that woman. Lay your hands on that man. Pray for healing. And you do it. That's the functionality. That's, that's, just, that's your spiritual, that's the functional spiritual maturity right there. Functional spiritual maturity. Where you can see people who are in pain and you look into their lives and the Holy Spirit gives you an insight and tells you that there's something behind this. And then you stand, you look at it. And you look at the person and you, you speak the word of life into that person's life and say, you know, and address that situation. That's functional spiritual maturity. You can't be, can't have functional spiritual maturity if every time as a believer, you are the receiving end of miracles. One miracle meeting is happening today, you are there. Another miracle meeting is happening tomorrow, you are there. Another prayer is happening, you are there. And the content of the prayer is give me, 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 give me. When will you grow up? When will you become mature? That's why I keep saying that a lot of the things people think only pastors can do, that is a lie. A lot of the things you think are only meant for pastors, they are not only meant for pastors. That is why sometimes I don't even share some of the things that God does through me because you will think oh, it's because he's a pastor. I don't do those, those things because I'm a pastor. No! Everything you think a pastor can do in that sense, you can do only that you have refused to grow spiritually. Only that you have refused to be mature spiritually. That's why a lot of people think And then we think those things are for pastors. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Mark 16, 18. It shall follow them that believe. He didn't say these signs shall follow pastors. He didn't say these signs shall follow men of God. That is why you will see Stephen and all of the exploits he carried out. Stephen was not an apostle designate in that sense. Stephen was serving tables. Stephen was like in our own form of welfare department. Who are the members of welfare department? If you're in welfare, stand up. If you're serving food in TF Church, stand up. So the others are not here, right? They're in children's church. So these are like Stephen. There's no, no title. No apostle. No, those things. These are Please be seated. So the point I'm making is that Stephen didn't have any of those titles. He was just serving tables. And yet, he moved in so much power that his world felt the impact. Do you know it was the sacrifice of Stephen that got Paul saved? What is the output of your life? The sacrifice of Stephen got Paul saved. How many people have come to the kingdom on your account? How many people do we have who are still in the kingdom and, you know, growing in the Lord because of you? How many people are being discipled, coming to Christ-likeness because of you? That's spiritual maturity. That's functional spiritual maturity. That's what it looks like. So apart from Functional spiritual maturity, there's also mental maturity. How mentally developed are you? Because the reason why I'm actually introducing this, because sometimes so that you don't think maturity is only the first one I described. So growth mentally is also required. You have to grow mentally. You have to know things. You have to have a strong sense of identity. Strong sense of identity. Who are you? All of that will have to happen where? In your mind. In your mind. So where we are right now, God is asking for functional, mental maturity. You have to be matured in your mind. And so you, you're not a good believer if you're just okay spiritually. You have to be okay mentally. You have to have strong sense of identity. Strong sense of who you are. You have to have self-government. It's mental maturity that will give you self-government. Where you can tell yourself, this is how my life has to be ordered. And you don't allow anything to shake it. And you, 
You're very ordered. You have certain routines. You have certain things that you're doing. And it comes from mental maturity. There are people today, they can't set their heart to do something consistently for, for one month. They're not matured mentally. They're still like children. You see children? They can be doing this today, tomorrow they want to do this. As a matter of fact, they can say, okay, I want to play with this. The next time they are looking for another toy. The next time they are looking for something else. That's it. But for mental maturity, you, you have presence of mind. You can focus. You know who you are. You know what you're pursuing per time. This is needed. This is required. I'll speak more into this. Another one is emotional maturity. How mature are you emotionally? Emotional maturity is also important. Not too sensitive. There are some people, they are so sensitive emotionally, they think everybody's against them. Just what I'm saying. Too sensitive emotionally. So emotionally, you have to be matured. Emotionally, you have to be strong. You have to be strong. So I'm saying this to point your attention to what maturity looks like. To what functional maturity looks like. This is functional maturity. Maturity that is practical, that, can, that is useful, that can make a difference. So emotionally, you have to be balanced. You can't be hypersensitive. You can't always think everybody's against you. There are people I've seen in the workplaces. Some people, I mean, I have so much compassion for them. They think everybody's against them. They think their boss is against them. They are my, my colleagues against them. Do you know sometimes people don't they want to, let me not, let me just stay on my lane. Let me just stay on my lane. People who withdraw from people. That's not healthy. That's not maturity. That's not being emotionally balanced. Something is wrong. And that's why you can't afford to get locked up in those, in those, um, Personality types. Don't, yes, those things are true. They can define your current state. But because you are growing in God, do you know what should be happening? That test should be confused after a while. If they test you today, you can be choleric and melancholic, whatever. But because you are growing in Christ, after a while, what happens? It's, it's all messed up. Because you are like the wind. You are born of God. You are like the wind. You can't be put in a box. You are everything God has designed you to be. You can't fit into the world mold of, meta, of personality types. You can't. Because you keep changing. Because we are growing. One of the things you ha that happens, you know I've said, I said marriage is a place of transformation. Right? Have you seen that in the context of marriage, before marriage, marriage do, do your test, personality test. Five years, six years, seven years into that marriage, you realize that you are swapping. Certain traits in your wife, you are <laughs> it's found in your life and certain traits in your wife is found in the man what do you think is happening? growth marriage is a place of growth that's why I say if you are married don't come into marriage and think you will remain the way you came in no that marriage will probably not work you have to prepare to change you have to prepare to, for transformation you will pick up certain things from your spouse and then by the time you start picking up those things it's a sign of growth Maybe you used to be someone who is not patient and your, wife, your spouse is very patient and then before you know, by that, as she rubs off on you, iron sharpening iron, what happens? You start learning patience. But if you want to say, this is who I am, this is, that marriage will experience a lot of frictions. This is who I am. Who are you? If it's not the word of God, throw it away. The only thing that's supposed to define you is the word of God. Don't let anger define you. I am just temperamental like that. I am just like that. Come on now. Come on now. Do you know some of us have come to even accept some of this trait of falling man? Because it's a fall. The only identity that Adam had at creation was that he was created in the image and likeness of God. That's the only identity. That's the only valid identity you're supposed to carry. But because of the fall, now there is temperament. There is anger. There is this. There is that. And then you now come and accept it and use it to define yourself. No, that's not who you are. That's your false identity. And so you have to continue to change. 
And so as you continue to grow in all of these areas, even this test will begin to get messed up. Then you realize, okay, when I started out in life, I was melancholic this. Before you know, you now realize that you're becoming a phlegmatic something. I mean, everything's just messed up. I mean, the test is messed up. The reason is because you're growing. And that is how God has designed our journey. Growth, maturity. That's what Christian, this is the whole thing that we call, that's what it's about. Oh. It's not about just sitting down and getting blessed. Yes, we will get blessed because that one is a giving. Blessing is a giving. Second Peter 3 says, he has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So we are supposed to grow. We are supposed to mature. And so emotionally, you have to grow. You can't just be very sensitive. Some of us are very hype. I used to be very sensitive. I used to be hypersensitive. Any little thing. And I mean, God sent me my pastor and just, I mean, God used him to yeah, slap that sensitivity out of my head. That's it. Yeah, something will happen to me before you know I am shut down completely. I won't be able to function again. And then I found myself in an environment where open rebuke like this, you can't, you can't, you can't, hey, open, you'll be rebuked openly in big church. I mean, our church bigger than this. Harry, do you bear me witness? That's my brother. We went through that system together. Pastor will stand here. You do something that you're not supposed to do way, way, way at the back. He will call you out right there. And you are required to change, adjust, and sit stand straight. <laughs> if you do, or you do anything that shows rebellion, he won't stop. You will become the new message for that Sunday. For the next 20 minutes, you will use that to correct that thing. So the quickly you adjust yourself and stand strong <laughs> and not become a wimp, the quickly he will move on. His message. God took me through that process. When others were complaining, oh, Pastor is too good. I said, No, this is what I need. If not, I would have grown up to be a wimp. God is raising strong men. As a man, you can't be a wimp. You can't be flaky. You can't, you can't not be strong and stand strong. Even our women, you can't, you can't just not be too, you can't be too emotional. And be too sensitive. You have to be fortified. You have to stand strong, emotionally balanced. I'm not saying don't have that sensitive part of you. I'm not saying kill it completely, but I'm saying don't be a slave to it. Don't be a slave to it. I cry sometimes. Cry when you need to cry as a man. But don't be a slave to your emotion. Don't be a slave to your ego. Don't be a slave to any of these. Be balanced. God is raising balanced people. Don't be a wimp. Eh, any smart thing, I know they do again. I know they come. Some people correct them once. They won't show up the next one. Wimps. Can't be that. To be strong. But sometimes, some of you, when you come and say, oh, my HR is too hard. My, I say, no, stay there. Don't run off. God is using that HR to do something in your life. Just you know what I'm saying. Some people can't even endure tough working environment. And yes, God has designed that thing to toughen you. Then you want to run away from it. No, I say stay there. By the time you finish, you finish your process here, you will be happy that you did. You see, God designed certain things around us to make us, to toughen us, to, to build us. If you keep running away because it's tough, you are a wimp. So that part of you will not be built because God is preparing us for the next phase of our challenge. A lot of people think it's easy to be the president of Nigeria. You know, from by the way we abuse people, abuse our leaders, you think it's easy. You enter those offices, you won't last one week. I'm serious. You won't last one week. You know what it means? To lead an organization, to deal with different personality types, different interests. Do you know what it means when people gang up against you? Do you know what it means when they come against you and cook up stories against you? Will you cry? You will stand. You will ask God, God, what do I do? You can't see someone who does not like you and then the person is coming and you go right away. And the person, no! You will walk up to the person and say, hello. If the person is still pretending that you are not saying, you will tell the person, good morning, man. You know what I'm saying? For some of us, because someone, you know someone does not like you in the office and then before you know you, you carry your nose up. 
Ah, no! You are not emotionally and mentally mature. That's what it means. As a believer, someone is hating on you. Is that, is that what God said we should do? No! What did he say about love? He said, if you only love those who love you, what are you doing that is special? As a matter of fact, he said, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He said, the test of your love is when you love people who, to your mind and calculation, are not deserving of it. That's what the Bible says. So why would you see someone, a perceived enemy or protagonist in your office, and then the person is coming this way, and that is your path, then you go this way. Or this person is coming, and you just carry your nose up. Oh. See, it takes maturity to be able to express love to people who are fighting you. I'm serious. It's maturity. You can't descend low, you two, and that rough or rough. I won't greet her. He did not greet me. I won't greet her. He did not greet me. I won't greet him. Uh, he spoke against me during the board meeting or management meeting. Me too. I'll be waiting for when I will do him back. That, 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 that's very, spiritually, that's very pedestrian. That's, that's not it. It takes mental and emotional maturity to be able to rise above it. Just like what uh, Michelle Obama said. When they go low, come on now. When they go low, go high. It takes maturity to go high. When it takes maturity. And as believers, you have to be mature. You have to be mature. Mentally, emotionally mature. Do you know why God is having this conversation with us? Because he's designing us for impact. I've said it. Every member of the finishing church is like the least in the finishing church is like 100 people in one. That's what God is raising. What God said about the tribe of God. So the least member of the tribe of God is 100 people in one. The greatest, 1,000 people in one. And you know, the quality of your process actually defines and determines the weight of the assignment. God is, see guys, God is not training you in TF Church just to remain local. No, no, no. God is training us for something big. You understand what I'm saying? That is why we, we can't be wimps. We can't be jekwe jekwe. We can't be Eleme Gesha. Eleme Gesha is the spirit of sardine and Gesha. Sardine, you know, is already made. It's already cooked. Very easy. Just pull the can and just eat. I mean, mix it with bread. Food, lunch is served. Very easy. Elemigesha. Spirit of sardine. Very easy, easy. You know, you, you can't be. That, that's not what God is fashioning us to become. That's not what God is. He, see, God is designing us and is forging us into weapons of war. Those are the people that will finish. Those are the people that will bring God's purpose. Oh my goodness. You guys, you guys, oh my. I won't, I won't be able to say things I won't be able to say here. Maybe what, during our workforce meeting or school of ministry. I will share some of this. How empires have been built. How new empires emerge. For a new empire to emerge, emerge another will have to give way. I mean, the forcefulness. The, the, oh, my, the, oh my goodness. Did you see how they, they took over the present talking? Who watched those Ottomans uh, series? Who watched those things? Did, did you see the death to self? Did you see the, we in Nigeria, we are crying. Muslim, Muslim ticket, we are crying. Oh, vote for someone. Yeah. Those things can't do it. No politician can protect your faith. You put your faith in the hand of a politician? Vote to defend your faith? My goodness. You can't vote to defend your faith. No politician can protect your faith. When Deborah was killed in Sokoto, who was vice president? When churches were being burnt and things were happening, 2001, 2002, in Jaws, and Christians were being killed, who was president? It's unfortunate that we, hey, please, let's put someone. No, we have to rise. To rise. That is why I see the process that we finish this race. Can't be where we are coming from. Instant no do's, instant coffee. Christianity. Ah, no, you can't do it. Maturity, functional maturity. That's what can make a difference. That's what will restore the church to her place of significance and relevance. Not beggarly, this thing. Emotional and sentimental. Emotional, very emotional and very sentimental, very religious. And so much so that the people that God has called us to deliver, we see them as, ha. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's when you. When, 
That's why you are here. You can't be thinking Muslim Christian mindset. No, you can't. Kingdom mindset. What is kingdom? The entire domain of God. God wants to take everything over for himself. And then you are reducing yourself and you are competing. I'm a Christian, so, and you are like the same level. No, God has called you to what? To rise. Let me see. One of the things I realized about the taking over of Constantinople and the rest and the spread of Ottoman Empire. This is, what, this is how they think. They fight for peace and justice. And the peace and justice they were fighting for, it wasn't that they want to convert everybody. They want everybody to come under to... They want, every, they want to govern everybody, but you can keep your religion. But as long as you are in that space, they define the environment. That's why you will go to Qatar, they will tell you no beer. And there is nothing anybody can do. They can sneak it in, but they will take an official position, no beer. And there is nothing anybody can do. Do you know what they do? They shape culture, they shape lifestyle. Why you, you are here, we, we are begging and, and thinking, is this low, low, low level, this thing, competition that we are doing? No, we don't understand kingdoms yet. By the time we have a kingdom mindset, honestly, the way we carry ourselves as individuals will be different. You're not a Christian. Carry yourself. Don't, don't mind that I use the label Christian. Don't, I'm just using it to help your understanding. We are kingdom citizens. The earth is the Lord and its fullness thereof. The people you think are your competitors are victims of their religion. They need your help. I have money. I have resources. I will do great stuff in the north. I will go to those crazy places that are dominated by them. I will put schools there. Take light to where it is dark. Why do you appreciate light? Where it is dark. Don't run away from that. So let's leave them to their issues. That's where God has called us to function. But if you are still thinking in terms of religious sense, you won't be able to think kingdom. There will be sectors God will be sending you into. You say, no, I don't want to go there. That's why for many years, there are Christians are not so functional in politics. For many years. Oh, we think, oh, it's a dirty game. That's why we are not functioning. And those who are functioning there is, is tight for them. We don't have support system to aid believers who are in that space. As a matter of fact, we don't even train them and teach them to not think Muslim Christian. You can't think Muslim Christian if you want to make a difference in the world. You can't have that mindset. You can't think Yoruba Igbo. You can't think like that. No believers should be thinking like that. You are in Nigeria and by function. You are a kingdom citizen by identity. I'm just Nigerian because God has called me here to function here. So why would I come here and I put on Nigeria mindset? Yesterday I was driving and I got to that place. The place is actually a porous junction, close to my house, coming from, you know, legislative quarters. And to turn right, it was red. And I went right and I stayed. And there were people coming behind me and they were cursing. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? And they were cursing. In their mind, it's still red, but they want me to go because it's right. And because there's a way, if I go, I'll be fine. But it says, right, in my head, I'm thinking, how can we be orderly? See, and I'll tell people, see, if nobody's watching, there's no any uniform person, and it's red and you can't stand, something is wrong with you. Nobody is there, no policeman, no yellow fever or yellow typhoid, whatever you call it. Nobody is there, no road safety, and it is red, and you can't stay, and no car is coming, and it is not night, daytime, where you are not afraid of security, right? And you can't stay. Something is wrong with you. Something is wrong. Yeah. Mind. mind, Mental. No mental maturity. No self-government. Because if it says red, you stop. It doesn't matter whether the road is clear or not. See, guys, if you can't govern yourself, you can't govern nations. Do you know the reason why we are where we are right now in Nigeria? is because we have, the the average Nigerian is not self-governed. The average Nigerian is not self-governed. Can't govern ourselves. So in our mind, it is, oh, let me just go. That's so why the last time we went to the UK, my daughter was like, Mommy, why are we always queuing? I said, Nigeria is happening to my daughter. Nigeria is happening to my daughter. Nigeria is happening to my daughter. <laughs> why are we always queuing? 
queuing. Because here you don't queue. We don't, you know, we don't have to queue. We can't stay. We can't be orderly. We can't be in line. To go to supermarket, you just want to shunt. You just want to be the quick to be responded to. You just want to, and it's self-driven. It's self. At the core of it, it's self. I want to get ahead of the next person. I want to be better than you. I want to be saved. I don't care whether you got there ahead of me. I want to be saved ahead of you. It's self. That is the base. That is not, that is not, that is not God-grade human. That's not God-grade human. It's self. You're not mentally matured. If you're mentally matured and it says red, even though no cars are coming, you stay. You have presence of mind. That's what it means. It means you are self-governed. And it means you are not a goat. I'm serious. Come on, guys. Let's, let's, let's tell ourselves the truth. Animals are not self-governed. It means you are not a god. That's what it means. That's what, and you see, most of Nigerians, if they travel abroad, they behave, they have sense. They line up. Even though once in a while, they still go and display their Nigerianness. That's what is happening in Dubai. And now Dubai people, they are taking sanctions against us and we are complaining. Don't complain. We deserve it. All the treatments we are getting. Because if you behave well and we do well, then we respect you. These people have laws and systems and then you go there, you collect a month visa and you go and stay there for one year. And then you will go to church and say, Pastor, pray for me. Let them give me paper. Which pastor? You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't come and tell me. I won't pray for that kind of prayer. Go back home. Go back home. It's so sad. So sad. A lot of Nigerians are staying illegally and they are going to churches and they will come on a Sunday morning and share testimonies. Praise the Lord. I just got my papers. And you've been staying in that place five years illegally. Illegally. That's not God great human. The worst thing is that are pastors who, who are staying there illegally. Pastors who are pastoring and then those countries illegally. That's what Christian, that's not what Christian is about, guys. That's not what it is. God is fashioning us to become God great human. Mentally mature. Mentally mature. Emotionally mature. Spiritually mature. God has called us to make a difference in the world. This is how. Can't be like the people you want to come and go and change. No. Sometimes I ask, are Nigerians even ready for a new Nigeria? Are we ready to do the right thing? Are you ready? We're ready. Let's stop kidding ourselves. We want an angel to come and govern Nigeria. We have not even started. We have not started. The question is, are we ready? My time is up. Let me round off this very quickly. So the last thing I want to talk about is lifestyle maturity, which I think I've actually started talking about now. Lifestyle maturity. Lifestyle maturity. How matured are you? Your social relations. How do you relate with? How confident are you? What's your social etiquette like? Do you stand out? Do you? What's your public behavior? Lifestyle maturity. How are you in the society? How are you in the society? Do you do wrong because everybody is doing wrong? Do you get carried away because that's how it has been done here? God wants us to make a difference. That's what that's because God, God is preparing us for what? Manifestation and return of Jesus Christ, right? We can't manifest if we don't come to functional maturity. Functional maturity. It is in talking about these things that grace from God falls and understanding comes. Hallelujah. It is having this kind of tough conversations that grace comes. And as you're interacting with this world, you are checking your life. You're asking yourself, because what God is doing right now is that he's painting a picture of the human he created and how we are supposed to function. So you're asking yourself, okay, this is who I am. And as you accept what God is saying concerning you, grace is released. But if you fight it, you question it, you carry your nose up, even though you're not doing it physically, grace will not flow. The next day, it will still be the same you. It will still be the same emotional you, hypersensitive you, the same you that will run red, the same you that will not make a difference. It will be the same you that see someone you think you don't like or that does not like you, you will carry nose up. It will be the same you. But as you're hearing this, your heart is open and you're receiving the truth of the word of God and you're telling yourself, God, thank you. I can see clearly now who you have made me to become. 
I can see clearly now who you have designed me to be. I can see clearly now my authentic self, my true identity in you. And you are thanking God as you are hearing this word. Grace will flow. And then tomorrow you find yourself in an environment where everybody is doing wrong. You will have the courage to stand out. Because you will tell yourself, if everybody decides to be a goat, I am choosing to be human. And sometimes it may take courage to stand where everybody else is not standing. But after a while, you may stand, it may look like you are standing alone, but it's going to be for a while. After a while, you'll see people standing with you. I can do a whole seminar on the character and the psyche of a Nigerian by the way we drive. A whole seminar on that, by the way we drive. The way we drive, that's why I use traffic a lot to define us, to explain this. It's not just the traffic. It's the core of our being that is reflected in it. And they're talking about standing out. Have you found yourself approaching a traffic and it's red? No cars coming from the other side. And you decide to stop. And one or two cars, boom, right? And then after a while, another one just comes and stops next to you. Another one stops next here. Another one stops behind you. Have you experienced that? That's what happens when you stand out. But the first time you are standing there, you will feel like you're a fool. Sometimes you'll be like, what is wrong with you? Sometimes I'll be like, what is wrong with Fred? When this process started, just go now. Then you start feeling somehow, I'm like, I'm really foolish. You see, people are going. People are going. So sometimes you can feel like you are a fool for doing the right thing at first. But do you know what? That's what heaven is waiting for. And then before you know, others will begin to what? To line up behind you. That's what happened. That's why the Bible said that don't get accustomed. That is Romans 12, right? Don't get accustomed to the culture around you without thinking. Message translation. Don't get accustomed. To the what? To the culture around you without what? Without thinking. Romans 12, 1. Message was, take note of that. So that you can check it out. So that you won't say today, we didn't even read plenty of scriptures. I quoted them. Take note of them. Mark 16, 18. Now Romans 12, 1. Message translation. So that you can satisfy that religious part of me. I'm just joking. Hallelujah. So don't get accustomed to the culture around you, to the custom around you without what? Without thinking. So don't say, this is how they do things. Let me just do it. No. Who are you? Who are you? When you enter that office that you are resuming, who are you in that office? What's your own identity? That's why I say part of maturity is what? Mental maturity. You need to know who you are. Your identity. Your sense of self. If this is how we do it. This is how we do it. And then you do you now go and do it. Who are you? So if you live in another environment and they are doing things differently, you will morph again. No. Everywhere you go, maintain consistency. Can I get an amen? Maintain consistency. If you, are, if, you, if you are committed to living a life of impact, everywhere you go, it doesn't matter the number of years, there will be traces of your impact. And I'm using this as an example. Everywhere I have walked and every church I have served, if you go there now, most likely, you will still see Something physical that I made happen. And I'm saying this with every sense of humility. After 10 years, go to my former church, you will see traces of God. If you go to where I was in just, you will see traces of God. If you go to where I have walked, you will still see traces of God. And it's not just Fred. It's just the life. It's a spirit man. It's a life that's on the inside. That's why I said everywhere you go, you must leave traces of the kingdom. That is kingdom. You can't go into a space and that space remains the same. You can't. It shouldn't be. And then you leave that place and your memory, your memory of your existence is wiped off 
and there is no sign that this person ever passed through this place. Something is wrong. You can't be an embodiment of the kingdom and enter any place and not bath the kingdom there. You can't be an embodiment. See, guys, this is how you want to take over. You want to, this is how to do it. You have to carry the kingdom. And so everywhere you go, there will be reference. 20 years after, they will say make reference. This person passed through this place. This person did this. This person did this. There will be reference. That is the nature of the life that we carry. That is what functional maturity is about. It's a Christianity that is practical, that is useful, that is impactful, that makes a difference. We want to make a difference in Nigeria? That is how. The church will not make a difference being religious. We will not make a difference just thinking about ourselves. We will not make a difference just giving people what they need. Your miracle today. We won't make a difference because already we're building the people to make life about themselves. And so when they go out there, they see the next businessman as a competitor and they are fighting to compete with the person. To get from the person. That's why you see driving again. Have you ever experienced where you're driving where you see a car in front of you and this guy is driving at a speed that is comfortable that he's comfortable he or she's comfortable with, right? And then you are in a bit of a hurry and then you decide to what? To move and overtake. Have you noticed that often than not, this person then press script. It's in nature. I don't want this person to pass me. And when the person was not there, you were comfortable. That's, see, that's why you see everything in Nigeria is what I can grab, what I can grab, what I can grab. And because that's the way the environment is, has been designed, even believers are like that. That's why you have pull-down syndrome. That's why you don't see the, someone else's progress as your progress because it's not entering your bank account. That's why you don't see that. You don't see someone around you that is succeeding as being you being, su- being successful because it's just, just not entering your bank account. That's why when somebody is receiving certain accolades and achieving certain things, you are feeling down and you are asking, that sh- should not be me. That's not God-grade human. Functional maturity. And so that's what God is asking from us in this season. That's how we're going to make a difference. Without that, we're not making no difference. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet. And I want us to just respond to God. You know yourself. You know where you are. And like I said when we're we're starting, that as long as we remain in time, there's always more to become. I stand before you today and I tell you that I'm a work in progress. As a matter of fact, I can tell you the things that God is working on me on right now. There was something that happened a couple of days ago and God is saying, Fred, I said, sir. He said, you were carried away by certain things you were thinking. That is why you didn't do this that I would have loved you to do in this situation. Hi. And God said, Fred, sir, that you need to grow mentally. And emotionally, the two of them. He said, because if you were emotionally balanced in that area, you will not get get carried away by that thinking. So much so that you forgot or you didn't even think about doing this other thing I would have loved you to do in that situation. God have mercy. I want to do better next time. So the point, I'm using this as an example to tell you that there's always room for growth. There's always room for growth. So if I stand here and tell you that I'm still growing, please, I beg you. Don't be rebellious. Don't be stubborn. Don't think you've arrived. As long as we are in time, we will continue to pursue Christ. When I'm done and fully become like Christ, I will no longer be here. Trust me. I am still here because there are things God is still working on in my life. You are still here because there are things God is still working on in your life. And don't ever think that what you are right now is the best that God can do. There's room to grow. Either spiritually 
mentally, emotionally, in terms of your lifestyle. And reflect on certain things. A lot of the things that you have taken as your identity is false. Those areas you think, oh, I'm just shy. I'm just a recluse. Is there any shyness in the Bible? Is there anywhere Jesus Christ was defined as being shy? Is there anywhere in the Bible Jesus Christ was, de was defined as being a recluse? Don't define yourself with these things. And not denying that you may have struggles in those areas. But the, the, what God is saying is, don't own the struggles. Don't romanticize them. Don't, don't, don't stay there. God is saying there's a refined version of you. If you're here and you still struggle to be confident where people are gathered, please, that is an area you need to work on. That is an area you need to work on. Don't say, this is who I am. No. I've told us here that if God needs you to be bold, be bold. If he needs you to be quiet in some situation, be quiet. If he needs you to be loud in some be loud. Because if we are not developed in all of these areas, when God needs us to take a particular form, we will not be able. We will not be functional. So if you're here and you're still very sensitive emotionally, any little thing you are touched, any little thing you are de demoralized, any little thing you are shaking, any little, you need to work on it. You need to work on it. And don't say, this is who I am. I beg you. The moment you say, this is who I am, you just locked yourself in. There will be no deliverance. Grace is released in the area where you cry for help. But the area you've accepted as yourself, that area, grace will not flow. But when you are confronted with the truth of the word of God, and you say, oh, 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 I became like this because of my upbringing. I became like this because of my growing up, because of my environment, because I grew up in Nigeria. Because when you grow up in Nigeria, there's a certain way the country shapes you. Then you tell yourself, no, this is not who I am. I'm a kingdom citizen. And how are kingdom citizens supposed to be? You'll find that out in the word of God and through the Holy Spirit. And the moment you realize that this is who God has made you to be, you receive grace. To become. That's how we grow. 2 Corinthians 2.18. As we with unveiled faces, we behold the glory of the Lord. We are what? Being changed into the same image from glory to glory. So if you're here and you are a very shy person, and there are certain spaces where you, you carry truth, you carry knowledge, but because of that shyness, you are not able to speak for, you need to break it. Don't say this is who I am. Because if you say, this is who I am, where God will need you to make a difference, you will not be able to make a difference. If you're here, relationally, you are low. You are not very relational. You're not very relational. You you'd rather keep to yourself. Don't say, this is who I am. That's not functional. That's not functional. Don't say, I just like to keep to myself. I, I don't like to. No, no, that's not, that, that's not, that's defective. That becomes a place that you need to grow. That you need to then tell yourself, how do I come out of this, my shell? How do I come out of this personality that I've, you know, this personality type that has shaped me? How do I come out of it? And then you come out of it and you, you come into a new place in God. That's what you do. And so you realize that you keep growing in every area of your life. Every area of your life. I can give you a lot of the things that God has worked on me on. In all of these areas, God has worked on me and I'm still a work in progress. Spiritually, mentally. Like I said, I used to be very sensitive. I would keep to myself. It was my comfort zone. It was my place of safety. But God said, if you're going to work with me successfully in this end time, you must come out of your self-preservation. You can't be self-absorbed. Some of us are very self-absorbed. Just get inside. You have to come to a place where 
You think about your brother. You take certain decisions because of your brother. You take certain decisions because of your sister. One of the reasons I keep showing up here is not because of me, as a matter of fact. There are reasons that are about because of me, because I want to be blessed by you. I want to receive from you. I want to be blessed by what you carry. But I also keep showing up to encourage you as well. To encourage my brother, to encourage my sisters. But for someone who is not mature, they wait for their feelings. So if I don't feel like showing up, I won't show up. I. That's why I say some of these things, they are self-driven. I. But maturity demands that you don't just wait until you feel like it. Maturity demands that because you know there's a value that you carry, because there's a life of God that you carry, you know every time you show up, there's something that flows from you to your brother. You show up. That's maturity. So if you are saying the type that you move based on feelings, I feel like it, I don't feel like it. You need to grow. You need to grow. And so just take a moment and just reflect. And then talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. For some of us, we need to build people's skills. We need to know how to relate with people, how to talk to people, how to build relationships, how to, you know, because impact is only made upon contact. Without contact, there cannot be impact. How do you pour into people you don't relate with? How do you make a difference in a world where you, are, you don't make any contact? So when it comes to social skills, when it comes to people's skills, these skills are needed. Don't say, I am not the type. Don't say, it's not my personality. It's a deficiency that you need to address. And I stand here to encourage you that the grace of God is here to help you. And so begin to talk to God right now. Different areas of your life that you know you need to grow. That you know you need to change. That you know that you, you have to become better. So that you can be functional. What we are looking at here is functional maturity. Maturity that is practical. Maturity that is useful. Maturity that is impactful. Maturity that makes a difference. That is what we are looking at. And so tell God to come through for you. There's grace in this house for transformation. There's grace for transformation. There's grace for transformation. There's grace for transformation. For some of us, there are so many opportunities out there that we can't take advantage of because we are too shy. For some of us, there are opportunities that God has provided for, but just because you are a recluse and you are still holding back, you can't relate. Another way, another part of lifestyle maturity is how you even is how you actually even dress. You know, how you are, how you, you know, I mean, it's all encompassing. It's how you look, how you, I'm not talking about just being worldly and all of that, but no, are you in are you mature lifestyle? Are there places you can go to and you won't feel small? Will people see you in a crowd and want to meet you? Will people see you someplace and say, ah, I just want to meet you, I just like you? Will you just stay and then favor and your life is just attracting favor? Connections and relationships. Or you go to certain places you feel that you don't exist. That used to be me. I used places I will go to. I even I will be there, but in my mind, I was not there. I just would feel that I do not exist. And, I, and, and it was a comfortable position for me. I was comfortable thinking I did not exist in those spaces. It was a comfort zone. Coming out was work. But as I continued to mature in Christ, God said, Fred, you can't remain like this and serve my purpose. And I began to ask for grace. I began to draw grace. And God began to surround me with challenges that helped me come out of those situations. For some of us, some of the opportunities we are looking for, they are being kept away because of the way we are posturing, because of our lack of maturity in certain areas of our lives. For some of us, certain relationships we can't maintain because we are too sensitive. 
We are too emotional. We are too mushy-mushy. For some of us, certain people we are supposed to, you know, be working with, we can't work with them because we think they are too tough and we, we are whims. And yet, that thing that you are calling tough is the pathway to your next level. That boss that you are thinking is too harsh is your pathway to your next level. So you can't remain the way you are. You can't remain the way you are. There is more to becoming God. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, even in our lifestyle, there is more to become. And so, Father, we pull down grace to become more. We pull down grace. We pull down grace. If you are here, you need emotional healing. You need healing. You need talk to God about it. 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 If you are here and you don't even have a valid relationship with God, and everything you've known about God is what God can do for you, but you've never gotten to that place where you love God for who He is, and not just for what he can do for you. I'll need you to rededicate your life to God. If you are here and you have never given your life to Christ before, you don't even have this relationship that we are talking about in the first instance, I need you to talk to him right now. Just tell him, Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I also acknowledge that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. Father, I, conf I confess him with my mouth that he is my Lord and my Savior. I come under the redemptive blood of Jesus. Make me new in the name of Jesus. Give me grace to continue to live this life. To become like you in Jesus' mighty name. I want to pray for some very special people. You are here and you've heard certain emotional struggles like me. And you have struggled, you've identified them. But somehow you've, you struggle to come out of those things by yourself. And you just need me to pray with you. Just come, let, let's pray together if you're here. And the rest of us, let's just keep praying. You've tried to come out of that. You've defined yourself as such. And you've thought that, oh, this is who I am. And sometimes you feel very helpless. And you've gotten to that point where you just want to give up and just accept, okay, this is who I am. Because I can't do anything about it. God is saying, no, God wants to take you out of it. God wants to take you out of it. And so I need you, those of you that are in front right now, just keep pouring your heart to God. Just keep pouring your heart to God. Keep pouring your heart to God. I need you to know that you have come to the mountain of the Lord. You have come to the altar of the Lord. Not a physical altar, but a spiritual altar. And I need you to carry that thing and put it at his feet right now. That fear, that shyness. That low self-esteem, that pride, that loneliness, being comfortable just being in your space. For some of us, is that we are we easily succumb to peer pressure. When two, three, four, five people are doing certain things, we can't stand out. You easily just give in and just flow with the tide. It is time to submit it. Father, your sons and your daughters are here. They are not here. They have not come to me. They have come to you. They did not respond to my call. They responded to your call. And each and every one of them, they have peculiar burdens that they have come with. 
Father, I ask that you remove these burdens from them in the name of Jesus. Father, for some of them, like I did, have carried this burden for a while. They probably would have tried to stop seeing themselves in that state and stop thinking in a particular way and stop being in a particular way, but somehow they have not been able to stop. Father, they have come to you today. Let grace be released. Father, 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 let grace be released. In the name of Jesus. Father, in those areas of their lives, help them to begin to experience strength. Hey! I encourage you to just fix your gaze on him. Those of you that are here standing out, just fix your gaze on God. Father, I stand here knowing the nature of the grace because I am a beneficiary of this grace. I know what this grace can do because I know what it has done in my life. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here that as I lay my hands on them, Father, let that same grace that has worked miraculously in my life be released upon them in the name of Jesus. Oh, makashe la bronde kalia katala broko to mali bronde kalia ande kate la broma shele bronde kalia ande. Father, that same grace is released upon them in the name of Jesus. It is released upon them in the name of Jesus. It's released upon you in the name of Jesus. Receive strength right now in the name of Jesus. That area of weakness, God is turning into strength right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to find strength and improvement. Empowerment right now in the name of Jesus. That stronghold is removed. It is broken. It is shattered forever in the name of Jesus. Begin to walk in newness in the name of Jesus. Those things that you, you, you before now accepted as part of your makeup. Right now, you will begin to see newness. You will begin to see a new version of you in the name of Jesus. You will begin to walk confidently and boldly in those areas right now in the name of Jesus. Those moments and those situations in the past where you have kept your voice down because you couldn't speak up, begin to find your voice right now. 
in the name of Jesus. I declare that you are who God has designed you to be. Come into the fullness of your identity in the name of Jesus. No more self-imposed limitations. No more barriers in your mind and in your emotions and in your heart. In the name of Jesus, I declare that from today, you will begin to walk on your high places. In the name of Jesus, you will begin to stand strong in those places that God has ordained you. You will begin to occupy spaces, both in the spirit and in the natural physical realm, that God has ordained for you in the name of Jesus. You are who God says you are in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise, God. We honor you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I want to encourage you. This is where the word of God usually tests us. So what will happen is this. Those things that you are submitted to God, when you step out, please be seated, when you step out, this is how to know. This is how the grace works. The conditions out there will not change. Those external conditions where you manifested the old version of yourself. I'm defining it as the old version of yourself right now. Hallelujah. Because that version of you is gone. Those conditions will not change. What has to change or what has changed is you. Hallelujah. I'll give us this example. When Jade was preparing for this presentation, she would be like, I'm shy. And we've been telling her as part of what we are working with our children on. You're not shy. You're not timid. You're not, you know, you're bold. You're as bold as lion. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so she was like, mm, I know you can do it. After a while, she herself changed her language. She said, Oh, daddy, I'm no longer shy. I'm no longer afraid. I'm just excited about it. She had not done it. But her mindset towards it had changed. From the constant conversation and reinforcement of positivity to her ears. So she already changed before the situation presented itself. Up until this morning, she was still telling me while I was studying. She said, daddy, I am not, I'm not afraid. I'm not shy. I am excited about it. Changed her language. She changed her language. She changed her mindset. And the practice, everything she did. She said, ah, how will I stand in front of a lot of people? How will I stand in? So we say, she did the presentation to us a couple of times. And I'll be like, the way you did it to us, that's the same way you should do it to everybody. Like, hey, how will I do I said, don't worry. This was a couple of days ago. I said, I'll be standing in front of you. Um, your auntie told you will be standing. We'll also be in front. Just look at us and present it to us. That was when we were still helping her to come out of it. But two days, the past two days, she changed her thinking. It was no longer, how will I do it? It's now that I am excited about doing it. I am no longer afraid. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to doing it. So she changed. And then she came here today. And she was able to do it to everybody. Hallelujah. It's the same thing. She was saying, oh, how will I do it to the entire church? The entire church is here. We did not say, okay, everybody, Jadel has a special presentation for the church. Please, uh, multimedia, can you put TV those rooms? Um, everybody, please, can you go and watch from the TV? Uh, only me and the people she's used to will sit here so that she can present to us. And you people can enjoy it from the TV. No. The point I'm making is that the same people, the same condition, 
she was afraid of carrying out the presentation too. It's the same condition. It didn't change. But she changed. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage every one of you. Go out there. Confront that situation. Stand strong. Don't give in and say, this is who I am. And as you do that, you will see the manifestation of the grace. Because the grace itself has been released upon you. You are the one to activate it. The grace is upon you. You are the ones to activate it. I want to use this opportunity to encourage all our ministers in training. The grace for healing is upon you guys. The grace for healing is upon you. The grace for all of the things that we talk about, you have it. You just need to deploy it. You just need to use it. And as you keep using it, it will settle in you. And your confidence will grow in those areas. Hallelujah. Father, we receive all of this in the name of Jesus. And what you have done today is permanent. We're not going back to our former selves in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.